If you enjoy listening to inspirational stories from people just like us, facing the fear and doing it anyway, then you're in the right place. My name is Claire Hill and this is the No Rest for the Vivid podcast. Hello, this is Claire Hill on my podcast. (laughs) Um, Episode one is all about me just thought that if you were going to invest your time in listening to me on this podcast you better know a little bit about me um I'm so excited about this podcast I'm really excited about the name no rest for the vivid I do want to say right now a disclaimer that I am not encouraging no rest this podcast is all about inspirational stories and facing the fear and doing it anyway And I thought that this podcast episode should be my story. I'm not proclaiming I'm inspirational, um, but I've had a lot on my plate and got through it all. And on many occasions, I've faced the fear and done it anyway, especially with this podcast. I've delayed launching this podcast for about three weeks um, because I was pooing my pants about it. Sit, coming from my background and then sitting here doing a podcast, it just seemed quite alien, but I had to do it. There was something inside me that was telling me I had to. And I had a lot of encouragement from a few people as well. So I'm going to blame them if it goes wrong. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm Claire Hill. I am from Kent, um, Medway. I uh, lived in Medway most of my life. Apart from a a short stint of a few years in London when I went to university at Brunel, which was a wonderful time. I come from a single parent family. We lost our dad when I was eight and we weren't very well off. I think that's uh, um, quite an understatement, actually. My mum had the three of us at home and was pregnant with my brother when my dad passed away. So things were pretty tight and we just about coped through the years um but I did really love school and I found that my identity of learning I suppose not the identity of learning but just having a a different persona at school I really enjoyed it I loved learning I'm just obsessed with I was I was obsessed with reading I was absolutely obsessed with reading I remember reading Matilda and reading it five times in a row from start to finish and actually that's the only book apart from another book that I've just finished um Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert I will talk about that book in another episode because it is absolutely phenomenal please read it especially if you're a creative person um but That kind of reading and obsession with words started when I was quite young. Um, And writing as well, and I've always written. I'm currently writing a book, which is all top secret, especially with this podcast. Um, I kept it quite secret for a while because it was an idea that I wanted to protect. And that's especially the same with the book, but that should be ready by next year. So I went to school, really loved school, was obsessed with maths and science. Um... I was a bullied a bit. Everyone <laughs> used to call me a boffin. Um, no surprise there. But I didn't really let it faze me. I just loved learning so much. Went through school and met my first boyfriend. Now it is a bit weird 
how does your first boyfriend influence your career? Well, his mum, I mean, he's a great guy, but his mum is one of the most inspirational people I've ever met. And she saw something in me, and I don't know where she saw it, but she thought that I was a little bit special, and she just took me under my her wing, and I suppose in a way mentored me. So from about the age of 16, I basically moved in with them. <laughs> then she was running supported housing schemes for adults with learning disabilities. Now this was back in 2001, so the Supporting People programme, if you are aware of that, had only just come out. And it was a way of introducing, sorry, introducing adults with learning disabilities back into the community because before that a lot of them were in residential homes and didn't have the they did have rights but they weren't as um fostered they their rights weren't as fostered as they could have been and it was all about empowering them i felt very passionate about it and still is to this day the company's still running but i met these amazing individuals who could be really independent they just needed a little bit of guidance. So back in 2001, you didn't have to be 18 to work with vulnerable adults. So you could just be 16. So I started working there, um, doing shifts. Actually, I might have been 17 when I started working there. But I would go, I did my sixth form at the local, I went to a, boy, a girl's grammar. Sorry, this story's all over the place. I do apologise. Um, I went to a girl's local grammar school because in Kent, we have the selective schools. So I went to a girls' school and just thought I need some male influence in my life because there was a lot of a lot of girls indoors. So I went to the local boys' grammar school for sixth form. Met my best friends that I'm best friends with now, um, and my best friend we <laughs> it was just me and her in a class of boys. Um, but I used to do shifts. I used to do night shifts at the the supported housing. And then go to school. I think about it now. <laughs> what was I thinking? But I was just really driven. So I would go to school. It was always a Thursday that I would do it. Um, or a Sunday. I would go to school. Go straight to the supported house in the school uniform. Because the sixth form you had to wear school uniform. And then do my shift. Do a night shift. It was a sleeping night shift which was good. So I only had to work till nine. I'd do my homework. Go to bed get up for school <laughs> and then um, there would be you know crossover the next person would come on and I'd go to school so yeah I, I worked pretty hard through sixth form um, I nearly got chucked out of sixth form because I didn't really get on with my chemistry A level and I was found the local racer at Ray J station at the time was called Invictor FM and um, I was supposed to be doing a chemistry exam I didn't realise it was a proper A level exam because it was a practical exam you have to do an experiment I didn't realise this but in Victor FM we're doing a road show in the hall when everyone else had a free period and I was like sod this I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to watch this radio station anyway I ended up getting on the stage <laughs> and uh, winning a t-shirt and I remember the deputy head came out well done Claire really supporting the fact that we have girls in the sixth form it's going to go be in the paper it's amazing <laughs> it's like yes hmm i have actually bunked a lesson though haven't i 
uh, it'd be all right. And I remember going straight to my granddad's. Um, and if you do know me on Instagram, from Instagram, you'll know my granddad was a massive part of my life, my granddad Fred. And I went straight round his house and I was like, Granddad, you won't believe what's happened. Um, just got myself in the paper. Can you believe it? But I might be in trouble. He said, oh, don't worry, Claire. I think this is exactly how he used to sound. Don't worry, Claire. Well, you know, you've got to follow you up, babe. You'll be all right. Don't worry about it. And, um, yeah, I got into loads of trouble the next day because I'd bunked an exam. They said, to, they said to me, why have you bunked? I said, I just can't do chemistry. I just can't do it. So they offered me to do uh, an A-level in a year. I was about at the end of year 12 by then. So I did a geography A-level in a year. Again, absolute bonkers. But So yeah, that was my sixth form. Um, and then I decided that I would follow in my boyfriend's mum's steps and go into supporting adults with learning disabilities. I really was at amazingly passionate about it still am but my career went off on another direction so I went to university went to Brunel and studied a degree in health services management and administration I then fell in love with the idea of managing a hospital so that though that was the dream but when I left university those sort of those jobs weren't really as easy to get as I imagined them to be and I left university had an absolute blast again met some of my best friends um, you know, and they probably, my best friends from uni probably know me better than anybody because we live together. <laughs> Once you've lived with me, you never forget it. <laughs> um, I came back to Kent and after a long time, it felt like I managed, I then started working with a charity and we offered support to homeless families and I adored that work. Um, I did a lot of safeguarding, adult and children, and was able to find housing, permanent housing for vulnerable families. It was really, really rewarding. Then I went and managed some homes. Um, some again ma- became a manager in uh, Maidstone. Um, that was really excellent. I was able to sort of design services which was really cool and I remember starting there I was only 25 hell, I was 25 when I started managing these homes and lots of people weren't happy with me doing it they thought I was too young and a parent of one of the service users said um, I really did think you were too young for this job but you've managed to be the best manager we've ever had so I was pretty impressed with that And but at the time while I was doing all of that supported housing stuff I was actually running my own um, small business called Violet and May I would make jewellery and accessories and wedding accessories and bouquets um, out of ribbon and beads and headbands I made so much stuff Um, the job in Maystone didn't really work out so I left that and became self-employed and it was really 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 tough I was living on my own I'd bought a flat and I had to pay the mortgage and it ended up the the fear was just too much I just didn't have the right support and network to make it a success and um I still carried it on though but I did have to work at the same time so I ended up working in homeless hostels and doing personal care for people which was fine at the time 
but I needed to, you know, a bit more security. So I went back to my old job working in the charity and became a manager there. And then through a period of shift with the government, um, we were facing huge redundancies. The government cut our funding. But fortunately for me, I, number one, decided, screw this, I'm going into education and wrote 40 letters to schools across the county asking if they needed a teacher that could teach health and social care because that was my sort of specialism at the time. And um, <laughs> one school out of 40 came back and said, we do actually have a space. So I went to it for an interview, no teaching experience at all, just a lot of passion again. Um, I'd been watching Educating Essex and it really, it changed, it really did change my life at the time. And then secondly, through the meetings with the council, um, the local authority and other services, um, the managers would come together in a forum sort of based meeting. I met my husband who was managing some homeless hostels and he sort of chaired the meetings. And at the time we had to keep our relationship secret because it was just, you know, he was from sort of a competing service. It was all very exciting at the time. And then I became a teacher. And while being a teacher, um, <laughs> number one, I've never been so tired in all my life, apart from the first month of having a baby. Um, teaching really does take it out of you. And anyone that doesn't think that they deserve the holidays, they really, really do. And then, um, so yeah, I, I taught health and social care for a while, became a qualified teacher, and then decided I wanted to teach maths. And just really worked phenomenally hard at this school and um, became an assistant head teacher after four, five years, I think. And it was my goal to become an assistant head before I got married. And I achieved it. Yeah, and then we got married, um, fell pregnant, moved house. No, actually, that's not correct. We got engaged, moved house, got married, and I fell pregnant in a year. <laughs> Oh, and all the while, from, through this bit, I was starting my master's degree. <laughs> when I say this stuff out loud, I do think I am actually bonkers, but I just haven't literally, I just work, I've worked and worked. I never have a day off. I do not encourage that, by the way. You should have days off. Um, so I did my, I was starting my master's degree, and then I went into maternity leave. And for somebody who has worked as hard as me or anyone, actually, the change in who I was and my new role was phenomenal. And I did, I think I did have a little bit of postnatal depression, not for very long, but I managed to get myself out of it um, by creating. And while, for, so for the wedding, I used my Violet and May skills to create all of the flowers. We didn't have any fresh flowers, all dried or um, handmade flowers. And I use a lot of wire in the bouquets. And I was sitting, Jackson must have been, oh, I don't know, maybe even, not even two months old. And I was thinking, what can I do? He's having a nap. Um, what can I do to sort of entertain myself? Because it was like my brain wasn't, didn't have enough energy to read, but my hands wanted to do something creative. So I had this creative box and I just took some stuff out and just started bending this wire looked into it, realised I could make letters out of it and then I became addicted, like super addicted. I couldn't stop making. As soon as Jackson, this was before, you know that magical time before the before your child can crawl 
and you can just leave them on a mat for like 10 minutes and they they can entertain themselves i just have these little five and ten minute snippets of snippets a word um these little tiny periods of sort of when i would just make something and i just had a tray full of tools and wire and i would just sort of have the tray ready when i could grab a five minutes and um it just developed and then my best mate said you know you can sell these on etsy i was like no she's like yeah look and she actually had a couple of things saved in her basket i thought oh okay i'd had a daydream a few years before of running my own business and calling it vivid because my my maiden name is vidler and everyone calls me vid and i just thought how amazing would it be if i had an a business called vivid something or other because then I'm quite vivid and it's got my name in it how cool would that be so straight away the the business became vivid wire and it grew and it grew and it grew and then I went back to work full-time and my mental health went downhill quite rapidly um, because of just being so tired because there's not one point of when I was struggling that I wanted to give Vivid up at all. I just ploughed through. I used to get up at four, work before the, um, Jackson woke up, and then go to work, come home, mark my books, plan my lessons, and then make wire art again until like 10, 11 o'clock at night, and then sleep. I just was just so obsessed by it. Um, thank the Lord for my very supportive husband. I decided that I was going to leave the school I was at, got another job at another school, and that wasn't going to work out. And I remember going, I went for a, a job at my sister's primary school and uh, where she's deputy head. And they started talking about me teaching PE and straight away <laughs> I was like, no, nah, I don't teach PE. I teach maths. Okay, this isn't for me. Because um, it's so funny having been so creative and actually teaching maths. Though my logic of that is that with, especially with algebra, you're trying to find a solution, you're constructing something, you're constructing something to create, a, you know, the solution to a problem. And I find that's what creative work is. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I sat and cried and my husband said, you do have a job, you do have Vivid. So we decided to just go for it. And that was 15 months ago. So I've been running... Um, Vivid Wire for almost three years, sort of, two and a half, three years, and being full-time for 15 months, and it's brilliant. Um, I definitely feel, I was always very, very creative before my dad passed away, and I was very creative through my teens in the university, um, but serious life, the life that, you know, if he, when I was a child, when I was a young carer when I was younger, I couldn't prioritise being creative. I had housework to do. I had to look after my mum and my sisters and my brother. And I didn't have the luxury of, oh, what should I do this afternoon? I know, I'll make something. It just didn't happen. And as I grew older, I did have snippets. But I think, I've used that word again, snippets. Have I just made a word up? But I think having the luxury of maternity leave or just actually Jackson being born and me finding out, you know, what a mum was going to be like, just gave there was something inside me that was like Claire I've had enough now you you need to get creative and um yeah I did and now I am writing a book 
I've just become a small business mentor, which I'm really excited about. I'm actually going to start some coaching training soon. And I've just launched this podcast. I definitely want this podcast to be for anybody because it is going to be about facing the fear and doing it anyway. Because we facing fear and being scared about a new adventure is totally normal. But I think sometimes we have to be reminded about when normal people have achieved it. So I hope you enjoy it. Please leave a review if you have. Well, if you haven't, you can leave a review. You know, free speech. Um, Follow me on No Rest for the Vivid podcast on Instagram. Um, I'm going to be updating that. You can find me over on Vivid Wire on um, Instagram as well. If you want to have a look at my website, just Google Vivid Wire. But I hope, I really hope you enjoy this podcast. I've got some amazing people coming on and I'm really proud of it. Thank you so much for listening. Take care of yourself and make sure you've drunk enough water today. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the No Rest for the Vivid podcast. Written, produced and hosted by Claire Hill. And music has been composed by my brother, Phil Vidler.